everyone, this is Kate McGaw, founder and CEO of Arclight Agile. I'm a certified Scrum trainer and I'm passionate about training leadership agility. And welcome to our podcast. And I'm Ryan Smith. I'm a certified Scrum master and a certified product owner. And today's topic is psychological safety. Um, I know I had this come up in a meeting earlier today when teams feel it when they don't. So Kate, I know there's an article that you're itching to discuss and get in on the topic. I, it's come up. We mention it all the time. Yep. So why don't you walk us through the psychological safety for teams? Yeah. It, it, and this is a, it's an article. It's actually a 2012, it's well, article 2012 research study that Google did around Project Aristotle. And it was looking at what were the components of high-performing teams? And we always talk about wanting um, high-performing teams and what that means and how we lead them. But the, the components found in high-performing teams, number one of components was psychological safety. And that was that team members feel safe to take risks and be vulnerable in front of each other. And number two, just out of interest, was dependability. Number three, structure and clarity. Four, meaning. And five, impact. But psychological safety keeps, I mean, you, you mentioned it came up today. It comes up almost every day, if not every other day, on classes and with clients. And, and that is, do our teams feel psychologically safe to say things and do things and from a leadership point of view, are we providing the air cover or the space for teams to try things and fail? Do they feel safe in doing that? And I, I think a lot of times when we're talking about psychological safety, we're, we're looking at, at things to identify, do our employees, do our team members feel psychologically safe? And I mean, we can ask people, but they're not always going to be honest. But if we go into a meeting, for example, and people are not asking a lot of questions, maybe our retrospective and nobody is saying anything, that that's a warning sign that something's not quite right. And maybe... Um, there's no feedback. Maybe nobody's asking for feedback and nobody's giving feedback because they're afraid to give the feedback. Maybe the team is avoiding difficult conversations because they don't feel as though they have the safety to do that. Maybe it's an environment where the senior leaders or the executives are, are dominating the meetings and the discussions and the team members are not getting to say anything because they don't feel safe speaking up. So any of these are symptoms that our, our teams don't feel safe. So I, th I think it's now, obviously in things like the the retrospectives, we can make sure there's psychological safety doing things like it's only the scrum team that is in the retrospective. It's a scrum master. It's the product owner. It's the, the developers, whether they're analysts, testers, UI. There are no visitors. Right. Um, it's a Vegas rules meeting. What happens in the meeting stays in the meeting. And the team is encouraged to speak out. Scrum Master can facilitate if there's any conflict and things like that. 
and the team is choosing one thing to work on to do differently. And for retrospectives particularly, we're retrospecting the process and not the person. So if we take some of the, the thoughts from those, from, from the retrospective and apply them to other events, how can we make sure that we have Vegas rules in, in other events that teams feel safe trying things and, and sharing things that are outside of their comfort zone? So what, right. have, what have you seen with your teams? Well, I'm <laughs> as far as retros, I mean, I think it's hard in a remote world, you know, because mm -hmm. you can't force people to turn their cameras on. And if you're like, I'm spinning up a new team, for example, you get less engagement until mm -hmm. people see you sort of go to the wall for them or that, oh, yeah, Ryan's the guy, he's going to back our play. And I, I reiterate that to people all the time. But I'm thinking about one time, you know, I'd, I started at this company and I'd set up the retro and somebody invited like all sorts of extraneous people. Mm -hmm. And I had to go to them and I said, well, why did you invite all those people? And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, well, they want, they're interested. And I was like, you know, I, I disinvited all of them. And I had, I had a, a like, we had a, a giant disagreement and I was like, mm -hmm. you don't understand. Like, it's not, that's, if you want to do that in the demo, that's from the demos for, but that's mm -hmm. not what the retro is for. The retro yeah. is for this team. And yeah. I, I have at the bottom of my Klaxoon board or my Miro board, I always have, this is Vegas rules. Mm -hmm. said here stays here we're not documenting this on a confluence page yeah i need you guys to have an honest conversation with each other but i've had knockdown drag outs of people who are like oh and i invited the ceo and i invited it's yeah. just like if they're not working for the team yeah they're not coming to this meeting yeah but you know what i saw today was i saw a young team mm -hmm. you know brand new team who had a very sort of forceful you know, product owner. And we, there was some concern that the scrum master might not have the psychological safety to sort of, you know, maybe shield the team from some mm -hmm. bad behavior or, yeah. some, you know, that the, 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 the product owner would set the tent, the, the, you know, set some things that we didn't set the tone. Yeah. Set the tone or, or mm -hmm. make some decisions that were like, not for them to make, but they would have, yeah. filled, they'll fill the void unless somebody else sort of steps up. And it's just like, yeah you know, a young team isn't going to fill that void unless you've populated it with people who are like, oh, I've done this in other environments. And I, yeah. I, I, I've been on successful scrum teams. Here's what's good. Yeah. Here's what's bad. If you just have a bunch of people who are like, eh, I've kind of sort of done this before, they yeah. won't fill that void. And, and you, I, strong personalities will. Yeah. And I think that's one of the critical things around how can we create psychological safety is making sure we have someone who is championing their team, someone who is representing the team, someone who is protecting them. And that is why hiring the right scrum master is critical because they are there. One of their key accountabilities is to protect their team. No, we, we can do other things like sort of show the team you're engaged. If, if your team's having a discussion, make sure you're not multitasking, make sure you're 100 percent right. listening, making sure you're confirm you're listening by saying, if I hearing you correctly, I'm hearing you say this. All of those things that, that go into good listening techniques and good listening skills. But it's things like you as a leader or as a scrum master being open to feedback, which is 
sharing things that you've tried that haven't worked and sharing things you've tried, obviously, that have worked, but encouraging the team to do the same. It's asking the team for feedback. So, hey, team, one of the questions I want to ask in the in the uh, retrospective this time is what can I do to better support you as a team? And, and we've got to make sure it's an environment where we're including our team. Hey team, we need to make a decision on the delivery date for this, or we need to make a decision on the best way to achieve this feature. So let's get the team together and discuss it. It's not the scrum master deciding, it's not the product owner deciding, it's the entire team. Okay. And it's, just, on, on you go. No, I was gonna say uh, partly it's almost a chicken and an egg situation. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because you have to show them that you're that person. Yep. Like they need to see you if you're the new scrum master or you've spun yeah. up a new team. Like, oh, that's the guy who's going to back our play. Yeah. Are you on management side or are you on our side? And what I always yeah. say to the team is I will not question your sizing. Yeah. And, and if you guys can, def you know, I will, if you say it's this, I will back that. I'm yeah. never going to allow somebody outside the team to be like, well, that should really be a three. Yeah. Nope. Mm -mm. Unless you're prepared to do the work, the team says it's a five. It's a five. Yeah. That's it. So it's little things like that. Or, you know, somebody has come from outside the team and approached a developer mm -hmm. about an outside task mm -hmm. and them coming to me and saying like, what do I do? I will take care of it. And then I go off and take care of it and make that stuff go away. Yeah make that yeah. person understand that that was not kosher. That's not the process. So you have to win the trust of the team. Yeah. And then it's sort of like they, they, they'll come out and they'll be like, oh, okay, now we can trust you with more things yeah. that we need from you as a team. So yeah. it, it, it's not baked in right away. Mm -mm. Yeah. It's know, earned. It's earned. earned. As you it's say, earned. it's like trust. Yes. Um, and they need to, your team needs to learn to trust you before, trust that they know you'll have their back before they feel psychologically safe enough to be completely open and honest with you. Right. Um, because it's it's you as a scrum master being aware of, of what is going on with your team and what is going on around you making sure your team is aware of, of what's going on around them as well. But it, it's it's the the back to the, the something you said about decision making. And it's as scrum master, when somebody asks you, so that scenario, someone comes and asks you a question, it's remembering to say, let me go ask my team. My right. team are the ones who are making the decision. As a scrum master, I'm there to support them. I am not there to make the decision. So right. again, it, it's giving air cover to our team to make those decisions. And that I think is the, the you, you create that environment where they start to feel safe. Like they yeah. know that you are there to take, like whatever needs to be done, yeah. protect them from those sorts of, those things. They, I, I listen to a lot of science podcasts and Jupiter comes up a lot. Yeah. So there's this theory about Jupiter, right? Does it bring in things from outside the solar system that have bombarded the earth and brought us all our water? Or is Jupiter like the big brother in the solar system that actually deflects things, you know, like the Shoemaker-Levy mm -hmm. comet. And yep. because it has this gravitational pull, it pulls in things. So that's why we haven't been bombarded 
in a thousand yeah. years, you know, a hundred thousand mm -hmm. million years. Like we're not getting hit by comets and asteroids because Jupiter's taking the hit. Yeah. So it's, it's, you have to be Jupiter. Yeah. You have to bring them the good yeah. things and protect them from the bad things. And, but you never want to speak for them. And that's why I'm always the first stop on any, if something has to come to the team, it has to come to me first. And I will determine how best to bring it to the team. You know, yeah. Maybe I can make it go away. Maybe I can't, but I can then bring it to the team in a way that is far less disruptive than there's a fire, blah, 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 yeah. you know, creating that environment. Yeah, it's back to avoiding blame and creating that trust again. So it's making sure that when something goes wrong, we are not blaming a person. And when we're retrospecting it, we're retrospecting the process. So, hey, this didn't go well for us. What do we want to do differently next time? Not Kate didn't do this or Ryan didn't do that. But it, it's all about, as you mentioned, building up that trust to make sure that the team will try things um, because that's that's how the team is going to grow. Um, if they have that level of trust, I was I was talking to a, a scrum master not so long ago, and they do um, a periodic survey with their team, an anonymous survey to see how the team is feeling from a psychological safety point of view. So they felt that going into retrospectives with teams that did not feel psychologically safe was going to be counterproductive so mm. um if you can't if, if you think there's maybe a psychological psychological safety issue and you think your team's not going to tell you then you could do survey or maybe you are doing you grab your planning poker cards or your sizing poker cards one being no five being yes how psychologically do you say safe do you feel as a member of this team one, two, three, everyone showed their planning poker card. It's a, just a quick check-in on how is the team feeling about things? How, did the did this person tell you, like, is it just a one-question questionnaire? Or how did they no, sort of... No, it was, it was several questions around, I feel comfortable sharing my ideas. I feel as though I'm listened to. All of those types of things that, that would go into, um, do we feel safe? saying things, giving feedback when things aren't going well? Do I feel happy giving a contradictory viewpoint to others in my team and things like that? I think that's so. a great idea. I mean, I, I really should adopt that. I should really do it because mm -hmm. I'm having, you know, I have a young team, a new team, and I'm having a hard time. You know, people don't turn their cameras on. People are remote. Mm -hmm. There's cultural differences. There's time yeah. differences. There's all sorts of... yeah things and I'm trying to get people to gel as a team would working I, agreements help in that well, scenario we, we do that so our retro since the beginning have been you know an activity or two mm -hmm. here's what I liked here's what I learned here's what I didn't mm -hmm. or you know every every I always do a different activity but then we wrap up we spend like the last half or quarter of the thing we're working on our working agreements mm -hmm. and we had you know we did one time where we put a whole bunch of things here about communicating about doing work mm -hmm. about you know there were like four or five different columns and then we've been going through and, and sort of expanding on those mm -hmm. so we spend x amount of our retros working on our working agreements okay and, and, and so 
do you have webcams as part of your working agreements? Well, you know, that's a tricky situation because everybody knows that you can't force people to turn on their webcams. Yeah. And people, they know that. So they're like, well, you can't force me to, so I don't want to. And and maybe we need to have a whole a whole podcast on how to get webcams turned on because it so, comes up so often. And it does. And 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 there's nothing worse than when you're doing a retro mm -hmm. and you see in the Slack channel, like you get a notice that two of the people on in the retro are talking work. Yeah. You know, yeah. you see that all the time. Like yeah. you can hear people on their keyboards or you can, mm -hmm. you, you just know when people are not really yeah. in the meeting and it, yeah. it's, it's hard. You, you know, you don't want to embarrass people. You don't want to call them out. You don't want to do all those things, but it is one of those things that it, it's really frustrating. What I was going to say, what I, I have done typically in the past, you mm -hmm. know, there was with one team where I always at the retro at the beginning, it was like the one to five. How did you feel about the sprint? Yeah. And people would leave the cards and then the we, temperature. Yeah. The temperature, just take your temperature to like, oh, okay, this one went really well. This one didn't go so well, or this was like really bad. Like, okay, yeah. maybe we need to talk about this. And, you know, as the team matured, it always sort of mm -hmm. stayed pretty high. We felt yeah. pretty good. And we all knew when things were like, this didn't go so well. So it wasn't a really yeah. surprise when they're like, oh, there's a bunch of threes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we got that. But so I've done that, but maybe like an anonymous questionnaire would be really mm -hmm. a great idea. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot. Yeah. No, I mean, I I, I certainly think I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that most teams would be open enough to say, but if we if they don't have psychological safety, they're not going to say back to your chicken and egg. So we're never going to find out unless we do a survey to find out. But yeah, I mean, questions around, we've already talked about difficult conversations, questions around, I don't know, do we feel comfortable reaching out to people in other departments to solve issues? Do we know each other sort of outside of work? Do we know each other personally as well as professionally? And all of all of those are things that could could tie into a, a quick survey on psychological safety. And even if it's something you do live you turn the cursors off in mural or miro or something like that you have them all up there and okay team let's score ourselves one through five i feel that i feel comfortable asking questions in any of our scrum events five absolutely one no chance so and have everyone add numbers to it and then you can see and you can say things like okay so it looks as though we've got everything from a one to four on do you feel comfortable asking questions during our scrum events? Anyone like to talk about why they feel it's a four or five? Anyone right. like to talk about why they feel it's a one or a two? Um, and again, we're not pouncing on people. We're making sure that as a scrum master, we're facilitating. But that's another way to do it if you don't want to do the anonymous survey. Um, you could do it sort of as a quick check-in with the team at the start of an event. An event. So, but yeah, certainly a couple of different options to explore psychological safety. So a question for you, what is the impact, do you think, if the team doesn't feel psychological safety? Oh, my gosh. I mean, then they're really going to have a problem interacting with each other. 
interacting with the scrum master, interacting, again, each other, everybody on the team, if they don't feel safe, like you said, do I feel safe asking questions? Mm -hmm. You know, will I call out that a story is too big or Mm -hmm. I don't understand the acceptance criteria or I don't understand the user? Like, will they do all the things they need to accomplish their job because they don't feel like they can? Are they going to come to me when somebody higher up in the food chain comes to them to do work outside the scrum? You know, are they going to, you know, like they don't feel comfortable saying no or even saying yes and then bringing it to me and letting me be the bad guy. Like there's all sorts of ramifications if they don't feel Mm -hmm. safe. And as a scrum master, I feel terrible because I want to, I want them to like, Mm -hmm. I am your servant leader. I'm here to, to help you to enable you to do your job in the best way possible. Like I want to create this space for you to, to get, to, to do fun work. I don't, it's, this shouldn't be a grind. This, like you are highly skilled, you know, artisans. I want you to be able to do your best work. So if they don't feel safe, I mean, everything's, Mm -hmm. they're not going to do their best work because they're going to worry about creating bugs. They're going to worry about like all sorts of things. I mean, the downstream effects are, I mean, horrible. Like you, yeah. And it's not something that is nice to have. It is one of these things that we have to have it because if we don't have it, we are not getting our our teams are not able to deliver the products and services we're asking them to do because they don't feel safe doing that. So, I mean, people talk about it and say, "Oh, well, we don't really have it," but it's 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 maybe it could could improve slightly. But you've got to have it in order for your team to be able to deliver the product or service that you are asking them to do so it's not something that we can ignore and come back and and fix later it's something we've got to fix the minute we become aware that it's an issue right because all good things will flow from it yeah we've we've Mm -hmm. worked on high performing teams We've worked yep. on teams that like each other, feel mm-hmm. comfortable with each other, solve problems together, and work flows, and you get yep. more done, and you get better work. Yeah. Reverse that, people that don't feel safe, don't feel that they are going to be supported, or they they like their coworkers, or that they, and work will slow down. Yeah. You you will get assessments that are incorrect. Work will mm-hmm. not get completed. Like you have to have it so that brings me before as we're running out of time here how do we effectively intervene and i i I think number one understanding there's a problem and number two is it is it a problem is one person on the team maybe causing a toxic environment that we maybe need to chat one-on-one with that person is it someone is it people outside our team is it our leadership who is causing our team not to feel safe. So identifying we have a problem to start with, but also is there anything we can do to address the problem with, with is there, are there people involved? Is there a process involved? And it's, it's building up that trust. We may have lost that trust somehow. So if we can't fix how we lost the trust, it's building that trust up again. And it's, it's understanding that the scrum master for our teams is the person who can have the biggest impact on the psychological safety of our teams because they are there to 
protect our teams. They protect the teams from themselves when the team goes to overcommit in, in something like sprint planning. They will say to the team, check in, let's just remember what our velocity is. Do you feel you can do um, all of this work? Remember, you've got vacations and things like that. So they're protecting the team from themselves. They're protecting the team from outside influences and the, the drive-by or the phone-by work. Could you just do this? The, the team has been encouraged to say, can I ask you to take that to my product owner? Or the scrum master says, I'll let's get that to the product owner. So it, it's it's protecting the team on multiple fronts. And, and to me, that's one of the key functions of the scrum master role is to protect the team. And a protected team will have psychological safety. A protected team will have the ability to be a high-performing team. They'll be open with each other. They'll be open with other scrum teams. They'll be willing to have the difficult conversations. They'll be willing to ask each other for help, the work outside of their departments and things like that. So they're willing to go above and beyond to try things because you as scrum master have made it safe for them to do so. And I would, I would just add, cause that's all I think perfect. And I think it really puts it on the scrum master to be, you know, this is, this is our mm -hmm. job as scrum masters. But one of the things I think is a key component to sort of this, I've seen it time and time again, if people are not dedicated to the team, yeah, yeah. they serve multiple masters yeah, and that right there will undermine everything you're trying to do. Yeah, because part of my role is safe and part of it isn't. Part of my so. role is safe and part of my role isn't. And that came up to me the other day where I have a person on my team who has another manager mm -hmm. who may or may not be using the number of tickets they do against them at the end of the year. <laughs> that you sounds know? like another whole podcast around serving multiple masters. Right. But I think that that's also, you know, yeah. the, why you need to be on mm -hmm. a team and dedicated to a team. That Absolutely. That is your environment and that it, you can then be safe as opposed to like switching between contexts and sometimes being safe and sometimes being not. Yeah. Yeah. These are my people. This is my team. This is my dedicated team. Me and these other eight, nine people are responsible for delivering and we're right. held accountable yep. and we support each other and we feel safe doing that. Yeah. And with that, there we go. Psychological safety. Thank you for joining us today. You will find us on Twitter at Arclight Agile. You will also find us on LinkedIn at forward slash Arclight Agile. So share your thoughts with us on this episode and send us any topics you'd like us to discuss in the future.